Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) I love that intro. That's Ryan Treasure, the voice of the one and only VP at World Talk Radio. He's my co-producer. Thank you, Ryan. Yes, I'm here. And yes, we have an interesting buzz quote for you today. I promise to try not to sing or I promise not to try to sing. Which one will save you from pain? I don't know. But think about this. Aretha Franklin, hit song, 1967. It was originally written by Otis Redding in 65, but she made it more famous. All I'm asking for is a little respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. See, I didn't sing it. That's my opening buzz, and let me tell you a little bit more. I found some more quotes, and then I'll tell you what we're really talking about today. Here's a quote from TheAtlantic.com. Listen up. For better or for worse, robots will alter humans' capacity for altruism, love, and friendship. Hybrid systems where people and robots interact socially. The right kind of AI can improve the way humans relate to one another. Interesting quote. Here's one from BBC.com. The Internet acts like a kind of digital-fueled alcohol, ooh, freeing us to say things to strangers that we would never dare to say if we met them. And I would say that most of us would never dare to say. And here's one more quote from GoGuardian.com. Being a good online citizen is more than being a safe Internet user. It's about being responsible, smart, and having respect. There's that word for yourself and others. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, most of the states here in the U.S. are starting to reopen. My state of North Carolina is one of the slowest, but one of the lowest hit rates. So what can I tell you? More and more people are online more than ever. We are working from home. Kids and families are learning from home. People are meeting from home. And guess what? Are they always nice to each other? I don't think so. No surprise, since the life before COVID-19 had plenty of meanness and bullying. What will technology do about this? AI, machine learning, can they boost human civility and respect online and, dare I ask, offline? I have four experts on my panel today. Frank Diana from TCS, Professor John H., he says I can call him Jack Shannon at Seton Hall University, Rusheen Kansal at Kansal and Company. We'll find out what he does. He's a newcomer. And Kevin Benedict, also a TCS, a newcomer. And my question of the day is, if all of these technologies can help us, will the new nice last? Everybody's talking about the new normal. I want to talk about the new nice. So the the topic for today is R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and you can sing along, will AI drive human kindness in our online future? Welcome. I'm Bonnie in the house. That's all I'm going to tell you. And let's go around the table and have my panelists introduce themselves. Gentlemen, four guys, happy to have you all. Why don't you take about two minutes and tell me a little bit about your background and what does this topic mean to you? Frank, Diana, welcome back, and you're up first. Go ahead, Frank. How are you? Good. How are you holding up? I'm holding up. <laughs> I'm holding up. <laughs> well, good. Uh, so it's great to be back. Uh, two minutes Thank is you. a lot of time to spend on talking about yourself. <laughs> I, uh, as you know, I'm a futurist, and the <laughs> times have been very interesting, as you might imagine, spending an awful lot of time talking about uh Things all pandemic, whether it's a current state or where the future might take us, it's uh, fascinating stuff. Um, and so that's where I spend most of my, my time these days. And the topic itself, uh, part of a broader interest level around AI and what AI might mean to society. So an interesting topic, at least in the context of what it might do to our humanness and uh, how it might change our behaviors. I think that that's a double-edged sword, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Frank. Do you think we will see more niceness? Do you think people are meaner or nicer now that we're all kind of stuck online together? Just a quick, yeah, what do you think? Meaner. Ooh. Oh, I was not expecting that. The futurist and not the optimist right now. Let's find out more. Thank you. Let's go around the table. I like We like provocative at the top of a show, Frank. You know that. Jack Shannon, I'm going to go with your familiar name at the Stillman School of Business, Seton Hall University. Jack, welcome back. You've been on with me before. Let's get your two-minute bio, and what do you think? Are we going to get meaner or nicer? 
Well, thanks for the invitation, Bonnie. It's mm-hmm. terrific to be with you again. Uh, I you. hope you're doing well. Uh, I happen to agree with Frank. I think that uh, I think that at at one level, society is going to be kinder to each other simply because of the circumstances. Uh, people tend to come together and help each other in a in a circumstance like we find ourselves. Uh, but I think that the, the the digital world has facilitated a level of um, uh, anger uh, and anonymity that allows people to be substantially more unkind than they would have been other under other circumstances. So uh, I have I'm an optimist uh, mm-hmm. by every account, but reality is that uh, I think that the the bad news always dominates as opposed to. Uh, the folks that are reaching out and helping each other uh, uh, every day. Thank you very much. That's an interesting observation. I thought maybe I was the only one who was seeing that meanness. I'm glad to see that our professionals, experts on the panel see it too. Maybe that's not a good thing. Let's go around to one of our newcomers now. Thank you, Jack. Rusheen Kansala, Kansala and Company. Welcome. You were referred to us by one of our other panelists. Very happy to meet you. And why don't you spend a couple minutes telling us about what you do? Oh, thank you so much for having me, and um, really a pleasure to be with all of you. Uh, just a few words on myself. Uh, so I'm focused on healthcare innovation, digital transformation, and I write a lot about courageous leadership. I'm founder of Pencil & Company, and we focus on uh, making individuals and companies the best leaders that they can be, and we do that through leadership coaching, uh, through growth strategy advisory, and a uh, lot of co-creation. Uh, in terms of the topic today, I actually have a little bit of a different view from uh, the other two panelists. I actually think technology gives us a lot more time to be kind, and uh, I believe in the power of the human race, and I feel that we will see a lot more humanity once we get over the fact that you know our digital avatars can be whatever they are. Uh, I think we will find it very important to become a lot more kind, a lot more connected with ourselves, and then really supporting our communities. Thank you. I like that optimism. I like that glass more than half full. I hear that. Thank you, Rasheen. Very nice to have you on the show. We're looking forward to more from you. And let's move one more seat around the table. Mr. Kevin Benedict, how are you? And welcome. You're a newcomer. And let's hear who you are and what you do. Yes, thank you, Bonnie, for having me. Um, I'm a futurist uh, writer and do a lot of research, report, writing a lot of research reports out there. And to answer your question, Bonnie, I think it's almost like we have multiple personalities here. And it depends on which persona we're wearing, which hat we are putting on. Um, a lot of times you will see people be incredibly kind and generous and uh you know, showing people a lot of encouragement, and then they'll turn right around, take off their persona, put on a different hat, and then just write vicious things. I think we all see that within our own communities on social media as well. You're going, that person is so nice when you're Mm -hmm. with them, but boy, they can write some mean stuff. So I think it's a really interesting area, this whole area around personas. And I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I think there was probably a lot more kindness out there than there is at the end when we're all just sick and tired of it. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Are you optimistic that technology will help us move to, a, I'll say, a higher plane? Uh, that's kind of a pie-in-the-sky attitude. But, Kevin, what do you think? Are, are we headed for more niceness, or is it just going to proliferate the, the mean stuff? Uh, you'll get both, but it'll be both in the, even more extreme on both ends because you have the ability to segment down and be even uh, using, I mean, AI can be used for good or for bad. And so you, and it pushes us and polarizes us to both extremes. Thank you very much. I think the four of you may remember about two weeks ago, I emailed you a very cryptic note that I was following one of the trends on Twitter. And I went to a place where it was absolutely ridiculously unbelievably indefatigably anti me too it was even women were tweeting comments about other women the pictures the language it was i felt like i was at a comedy show that was x-rated seriously and 
I use Frank Nosis. I use Twitter for business. I use Twitter for posting about all of the many radio shows I produce and host. And I'm not used to seeing that. So I'm very aware now that, <laughs> that I have to be very careful when I click the right-hand column on Twitter that says trending if it's a popular culture or an entertainment topic. I'm no prude, but I have to be aware that I might be getting into a completely other side of what people are saying and doing on Twitter. I wasn't shocked. I was, I was, no, I wasn't surprised. I was shocked. Let's put it that way. Okay. That, that goes to different levels. So now's the part of the show where I've asked each of my guests to send me an interesting quote before the show that has on the surface absolutely nothing to do with the topic. This is how we get to hear how they think and how they speak. And on the spot here, I put them on the spot live. This is not a scripted show if you're just tuning in. So let's see what Frank Diana said. Frank sent a quote from Steve Jobs. And Frank, you know, not only am I a, a Mac enthusiast, not only am I a Mac quote-unquote investor having bought more Macs than possibly humanly humanly affordable since 1988. <laughs> oh, boy, does that go back. And boy, were they expensive then if you think they're expensive now. And uh, so Steve Jobs has a place near and dear to me. Not only, Frank, you may have heard the story, the day I started SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers was October 5th, 2011. And about an hour after we finished the first live show, we found out Steve Jobs had passed away. So that date is seared in my brain. So Steve Jobs, if anybody doesn't know, Stephen Paul Jobs, 1955 to 2011, American business magnet, industrial designer, investor, media proprietor. I love that. Chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Apple Inc., chair and majority shareholder of Pixar, member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors, etc., etc., etc. So here's the quote. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you, and you can change it, you can influence it. Once you learn that, you will never be the same again. Wow, I never heard that from Steve Jobs. Frank, how does that relate to our topic about whether we're going to become nicer or meaner through technology? So it's a very impactful quote for me because, as you probably know, I'm a big believer that the world that's emerging is very different than the the last couple centuries world that we've known. And the mental models and belief systems that we've had all those years will not serve us well if we're going to navigate these, these, these coming waters, if you will. And that quote is perfect because it speaks to the fact that, you know, we invented society that we live in. We invented the norms and the institutions and the standards that we live by. And, and therefore, we can do that again if the uh, world requires us to do so. And so in the context of this discussion, you know, wh- how we act, what we do in the next 5 to 10 to 15 years will determine the answers to these questions we're asking today. And we're going to create the path of AI. We're going to create the world that emerges. And so if we use old, tired mental models in creating that world, we're probably not going to end up in a very good place. Thank you very much. Always insightful from you, Mr. Diana slash Deanna. He told me I could call him either way, so we're sticking with Diana because that's more familiar. I don't want people to think, oh, we got a new guy on the panel, Frank Deanna. Who's he? <laughs> it's Frank Diana from TCS. We know that. And, Frank, I have to thank you for putting together this panel and Jack as well for inviting the other two gentlemen. I appreciate the referrals. Let's move on to Jack Shannon. And Jack has sent us a quote from somebody I had never heard of. And, boy, does she have a storied past, the name of the the author is Barbara Grizzuti Harrison, 1934 to 2002, American journalist, essayist, memoirist, best known for her biogra- autobiographical work, particularly her account of growing up as a Jehovah's Witness and her travel writing. She was one of the first contributors to Ms. Magazine, MS, and she became nationally known in 1978 when she published Visions of Glory, A History and a Memory of Jehovah's Witnesses. She was uh, all kinds of religious background, but Jack, I don't know if you followed her history. She uh, had a long time, I'll just say fling, with a jazz musician she never named. And years after separating, they got together again years later and resumed the heat. That's what I read in the Wikipedia. She's quite a story. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you introduced me to her. And here's the quote. (laughs) Yes, I'd love to know more about that. Kindness and intelligence don't always deliver us from the pitfalls and traps. There are always failures of love, of will, of imagination. There is no way to take the danger out of human relationships. She knew that all too well. Jack Shannon, how'd you find this quote? Well, Bonnie, I was looking for a way to to blend human and technology, and, and I came across this quote, and she's such an interesting character study. Yes. Uh, and, and frankly, 
I wasn't really thinking about this in the context of, of Frank's earlier comment, but it really flows. Whatever we're going to do here in the integration of this digital uh, environment that we're creating, uh, humanity uh, is going to drive that bus. Uh, and, and I think the critical factor is that however we approach AI, kindness or not, uh, it's going to be the humanity in us that, that will define that. As Frank said, in the next 10 to 15 years, that's really uh, going to be the window for us to, to make a bunch of decisions that are going to have a, an extraordinarily long-term impact. And I think if we take the humanity out of that, um, then we're going to miss the chance. Uh, so she really, this one was a, was a when I, as soon as I saw it, I knew it would fit in the conversation that we we're going to have today. Thank you very much. I appreciate I just loved reading her bio, Jack. If, if absolutely fascinating. The ins and outs, the places she's been, the people she was relating to, the, the secrets she kept. Oh my, the religion she tried. <laughs> she, she was, she was, uh, there were, there were words I won't use on the air for her. She was something else again. Let's just leave it at that. I, I wish I had known her. I wish I, she had been in more in the time of now. So we could have been keeping on reading about her. Thank you. Been keeping. Not good English. We could have kept seeing what she was up to. There we we go. Thank you. Rasheen Kansal has sent me a really, really fun quote. This is from a movie, a Bollywood movie, which is originally scripted in Hindi, loosely translated, and the movie is Three Idiots. It's a 2009 Indian Hindi language coming of age comedy drama film co-written and directed by Rajkumar Hirani. It follows the friendship of three students at an Indian engineering school, college, and it's a satire about the social pressures under an Indian education system. It's narrated through parallel dramas, one in the present and the other 10 years in the past, and it's based on a novel, Five Point Someone, Why Not to Do what not to do at IIT. I assume that is the uh, that is the college, and they actually talk about real inventions created by Indian people, innovators, uh, inventors. It's in a classroom. So let me read part of this. A teacher says, "What is a machine?" And the student says, "A machine is that makes." human life simple, like a fan, which when switched on helps us stay cool. And the teacher says, that is nonsense. The teacher points to another student, your answer? And the second student says, a machine is a system of levers, pulleys, gears, etc., that when a force is applied to, and so on. And the teacher says, ah, very good. I hope I did, I hope I did justice to that machine. Can you please tell us what in the world this has to do with our topic? Because I love the quote. Never heard of the movie before. Thank you for that. So, Rasheen, it's all yours. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, you know, that quote has stuck in my mind ever since I saw the movie. And really, you know, uh, the quote is about how machines make our life simple. And, you know, when I was thinking about the topic today uh, and thinking about technology, uh, one thing technology has done and will continue to do is it will leave us more time, more time to be human, more time to be whatever we choose to be. Uh, I mean, one thing that is a fact given the pandemic, given the current situation, is that uh, as far as digitization goes, it has just been accelerated by a few decades, if not centuries. And uh, the good and bad of it is a lot of our economic existence will not be driven by machines. But that does leave us humans a lot more time, a lot more time to be empathetic, a lot more time to be human. And that's where I made the connection, right? How does AI really make us human? By giving us more time. Time is a gift. Let's use it. I like that. Time is a gift. Let's use it. Absolutely. Uh, yes. I, I think we all wish 2020 would hurtle through and go very fast and we could put this behind us, but we're living through this. And time is a gift for so many of us who are still talking about it. Thank you, Rasheen. Appreciate the quote. So interesting. Kevin Benedict waiting patiently. Kevin, I said that about a guest on a show a couple months ago. Bob was waiting patiently. And when I got around the table to him, he said, how do you know I'm patient? <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. So, well, I still say it because it always makes people smile. He has a, uh, uh, Kevin has sent us a quote from somebody I've never heard of Paul Virilio, 1932 to 2018, a French cultural 
theorist. I like French cultural theorist, an urbanist, and an aesthetic philosopher. Frank, Diana, these sound like some things you could add to your bio, a cultural theorist, an urbanist, and an aesthetic philosopher. He was best known for his writings about technology in relation to speed and power with diverse references to architecture, the arts, the city, and the military. And his last project included working with homeless groups in Paris and building the first museum of the accident. (laughs) I like that. I want to go there one of these days. Here's the quote Kevin has selected from Monsieur Virilio. In less than half a century, geographical spaces have kept shrinking as speed has increased. Kevin, talk to me. Yeah, I, I picked this because whenever I read a book or an article that just makes, just makes me stop and have to set the book down and ponder it, uh, I just I think there's a lot of value in that. So I read this statement. And I go, what do you mean geographical spaces are, sh- are shrinking? These things are physical. They don't do that. But I mean, when you think about the fact that you know, back in the Roman days, they used to measure how far the troops could march in a day, twenty miles in a day. When cars come around, it's you know, it's easy to go twenty miles an hour. Mm-hmm. With jets today, you can go 20 miles a minute. <laughs> so what does that actually do to the ground you've covered? It means the experience of walking 20 miles all day long, smelling the flowers, looking at the trees, walking over hills, that is gone. So geographical areas continue to shrink and, because you cross them in mere minutes. And so I wanted, you know, it, it just got me really pondering about all the implications of what speed does. So I appreciated uh, where Paul really was taking us in that thought. And and thank you, Kevin. Very thoughtful answer. And uh, I'm going to add a quote, or actually the title of a song that many of us found very annoying if we went to Disney World or Disneyland too often. It's a small world after all. Remember that? True? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And now we're talking about it. Now, now it really, really applies. They, they knew something when they designed and wrote that very, very, how many people had that earworm in their head for how many months or days or years after visiting? I know, I know. Listen, I want to welcome a sponsor. We're going to take a quick break here and we're not going off the air, but we have a sponsor back, Express VPN. This is their fourth week with us and we really appreciate their sponsorship. So let me tell all of you a little bit about our sponsor. Being stuck at home these days, Yep, you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. Do you believe that if you fire up incognito mode, I like to say that in a dark voice on your browser, no one can see what you're doing? Wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. That's not the way you want to be traced. Even if you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider or ISP can see every single website you have ever visited. That's why even at home, we're not going online without using ExpressVPN. That's all one word. ExpressVPN, make sure your ISP cannot see the sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through their ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address shared among thousands of users. You kind of blend in there. That means everything you do is anonymized. They can't trace it back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, your tablet, your smartphone, any device. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Tap one button and bingo, you are protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest fastest and most trusted VPN on the market, rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless more review sites. So here's how you get on board. Protect your online activity today with the VPN we trust to secure our privacy. I have a special link for you all to go to ExpressVPN dot com slash tech rev you get three extra months free when you purchase a one-year package let me spell it because i love to spell urls e-x-p-r-e-s-s-v-p-n bunch of letters expressvpn.com slash tech rev that's t-e-c-h-r-e-v and that's short for technology revolution 
the future of now, which is our show today, expressvpn.com slash techrev to learn more. Thank you very much, and let's get back to the show. So here we go. Now it's time for us to look at the predictions. That's what we've all been waiting for. I'll pick the first one from each of you in, in order going around the table. And if we come to a prediction that you've either already talked about or somebody else has already covered, I'll skip that and I'll tell you which one I'm going to. So Frank Diana, number one, let's start here. Machines will be infused with humanity, both the good and the bad of humanity. This will lead to positive and negative influences on human behavior. You're kind of straddling the fence there, Frank, so tell me more. Well, I think it's a hybrid no matter how we look at this in terms of the outcomes. But we are, as humans, actually developing AI, programming AI. Uh, We are moving towards places where we're going to have emotional AI. We're already on our way to an emotional AI that can, when you call a help desk or a call center, can engage your voice, understand your emotion, and respond in kind, right? So those are the things that we're already building into these systems as as time passes. So some level of humanity is being baked in. Uh, and as we know, us humans are not perfect. So if we're the ones creating it, that's why I believe there's a hybrid outcome there, right? So our humanness is built in, and you got to take both the good and the bad with that. I think that we already know that, and I think so. I think we're going to morph into a talk about robots in a little while and how they're going to behave well or not. Jack Shannon, I'm looking at your number one prediction. Let's see what you wrote. You say, AI will increasingly provide humans with support. I'm not going to read the rest. Why don't you tell us more, Jack? Sure, Bonnie. I think, uh, again, in, in trying to pull my thoughts together for today, I, what we're seeing is, yeah, as dramatic as the change is, it's an incremental change as well. People are finding themselves interacting with a variety of AIs at different levels. And what that's forcing us to do, whether we're aware or not of it actually happening, uh, is to, it's redefining our own, ourselves, uh, the way we uh, approach our day-to-day lives. So we rely on on uh, Google Maps to take us a place, or we rely on Siri to answer a question about the, the weather, or we talk to Alexa and turn the lights on or start the, the oven. So in a lot of different ways, we're doing things at a, at a very, very low, quiet level that we don't even realize are happening. The challenge then means that the, the folks coding those AIs have to code in that question of the day, the kindness, the empathy into the systems, because if we don't, the systems will not be responsive in a way that we're going to find acceptable. Uh, so I think that's, I think it's a, it's a very, uh, as, as rapid as the pace of change is, mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, we're seeing it in a much more incremental way. We're just getting used to it and not realizing it's actually there. Interesting. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. Let's go around the table to Rasheen Kansal, and your prediction number one is digitalization. I remember a couple of years ago, Rasheen, it was easier to say digit. Digitization without the ALI in there, I know, and everybody changed it, to, and we used to help to define that. So you say digitalization, the adoption of artificial intelligence, robots, molecular machines, virtual reality just got accelerated by a few decades, if not centuries. Go ahead. Tell me more, please. Yeah, as I was saying earlier, right, I mean, uh, the advance in technology, it is just, going on and on and on, and it is accelerating. And while everyone is talking about technology being human, I see the byproduct of technology, going back to my three idiots quote, as being, you know, it makes more time to be human. And if we have more time to be human, how do we use that time? So, uh, you know, we talked about time to smell the flowers, time to meet with people, time to really, you know, uh, live the life as it was intended to be lived. Yes, there's a question of economic sustenance, but, you know, there is a lot more time and how we can use the time in different ways, maybe to go to space. Uh, that That is where I think we have a lot of time now to think and really, you know, innovate and, and uh, really, you know, uh, continue to advance the humanity. Thank you very much. Kevin Benedict, let's look at your prediction number one. You say you predict many different AI systems and environments. Let me see my 
My word just scooched up to 200%, and I'm trying to see it now. Here it go. Many different AI systems and environments will begin to integrate together into an AI ecosystem. That's interesting. This ecosystem will then develop, ooh, AI bosses for AI workers. I want you to take about three minutes for this one, Kevin Benedict, because this is, this is a little bit off the charts, and I want to know what you mean. Very interesting. Please go ahead. Absolutely. If, if you just, you know, if we look at a scenario where there's a factory, Nowadays, every piece of machinery inside that factory floor can have AI built into it. So it can report its own condition and status when it needs maintenance. It can feel its own vibrations, report back. It can make decisions and automatically adjust measurements on it so the quality is consistent. So you have very specific AI systems that you can find specific to, you know, very unique applications. But above that, you can have an entire assembly line AI ecosystem that looks at each individual machine. So not only does each individual machine have its own AI focus just on its performance, you can have assembly line level AI that's looking at all of it. So it can gauge production rates and it can look at what needs to happen out there and um and if more supplies and more resources, more materials need to come in, if logistics change, all that, you can have layers of AI that is watching all of that. And then at the whole factory level, you can have at the factory level AI systems that look at the performance of all the systems within mm. those four walls and outside the four walls. And then you can imagine an AI system that's also looking at the supply and demand. So customers are wanting to buy more of this particular product line. Let's increase production on this assembly line. So at each layer, you can have an artificial intelligence system that's designed differently to look at the inputs coming from each of the subsystems underneath it. But then you can also recognize that today programming can be done through artificial intelligence generated um, systems as well. So then you have AI creating baby AI systems and all without humans. And then when you start considering that, you're going, wow. So somewhere there's an original human programmer creating an artificial intelligence system that's capable of programming its own subsystems. So then, it's a, then you start recognizing how important and critical it is that you're building into the system the right morals and ethics and mm-hmm. justice and equality and all these kinds of things that we, all, we, we as humans are still fighting uh, for and trying to figure out how to do right. Well, now you're going to have that at the artificial intelligence layer as well. Wouldn't that be interesting? So an AI boss for the other bosses, and it just keeps going up the chain. And I guess it all depends, Kevin, on the ethics, the uh, the humanity, quote-unquote, of the top AI boss, doesn't it? Whatever was programmed into them and however the human made that person or that bot, sorry, aware of kindness, respect, civility. Am I right? So it really comes, still comes down to the yes, human. Yes, and, and then you think that that very top elite, AI system might have been programmed by a 22-year-old who hasn't figured out life for themselves yet. <laughs> oh, I have no comment for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call my granddaughter after the show and ask her. I'm sorry. Okay. Just gave too much age basis here. Frank Diana, we're looking at your prediction number two, a little bit of what Kevin said, but I want to have you approach it from your own POV point of view. You say human bias will inevitably be programmed into AI, amplifying human biases in the short term. So, Frank, let's take this apart, unpack it, as they say, on the new shows in the short term. What about the long term? And how do we get away from the bad biases, the ugly biases, the bullying biases? How do we do that, Frank? Can you predict that for me? Well, I can't predict how we're going to do that because that is really one of the challenges society faces in the short term and the long term. Now, I'm a big believer that uh, something like philosophy, which has really been a qualitative kind of field, I guess much more important in the future. And I'm not, I'm, I would not be surprised to see philosophers on executive uh, teams in the future because these questions of biases, morality, who uh, who bakes these things into our systems? You know, the obvious one that people point to is the autonomous vehicle and how does it decide to 
save the driver or kill the pedestrian that's crossing the street? Right? That, that's a morality kind of question. And, and who determines how to program that AI? I've heard, I've heard some approaches say, let's crowdsource that. <laughs> let's have the individual drivers program that in themselves as a setting. And then we just determine how many people picked, you know, saving the driver versus how many people picked the pedestrian. And then you go with the, the uh, crowd's uh, view. I mean, it's all very interesting in terms of how these things get resolved. But the bottom line is that these biases get baked in. We've already seen examples of biases in the criminal justice system where mm -hmm. you're trying to use AI to determine who might be uh, committing a crime in the future and the typical biases that we as humans see are built right in and you just see them amplified um, as we use these AI. So there's no real answer here until we've decided how ethics and morals get baked in. But honestly, when you have a world that doesn't have a global ethical standard, whose ethics get built in? Yeah. Very, very true. Whose ethics? That's the question. That's the question until we get to that higher elevation where the bots, the machines, the AIs are able to figure out what nice means on their own terms by observing the humans and saying, nah, we're not going to continue to do that. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be nice? Jack Shannon, I'm looking at your prediction number three. I think this is really interesting. You say artificially intelligent entities will become neither fully sentient, and I want you to explain that, or a hybrid version of humans. And you go on to say the popular exemplars of human replacing robots, that's human-replacing robots, are very unlikely to be manifested anytime soon. Could you put this in lay terms for me, please, Professor Shannon? <laughs> sure, Bonnie. Uh, sentience, is, is, <laughs> sentience is a human quality. The argument that you could make uh, that, that Arnold and the Terminator was a, a sentient robot could make decisions for itself, uh, could reason of a sort. Um, you know, popular movies like uh, Ex Machina or, or Her uh, would speak to those kinds mm -hmm. of ideas that, yep. that you could sit and have a conversation with, with that AI. Uh, and I, I don't think we're, we're looking at an art, what we call an artificial general intelligence anytime in the near term, um, uh, which means we're not going to be looking at, at uh, hybrid versions of humans. Um, although there are several uh, that argue that uh, our, our mobile devices have become an extension of our bodies and therefore we are already hybridizing humanity. Uh, so in reality, I think that 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 expectation that we're going to be able to have a, con a conversation with, you know, the robot that cleans our house um, uh, and kind of looks like a human, uh, probably not in the near term. Uh, but again, as I said earlier, that to me just suggests that increasingly we will come to rely on these sy uh, systems uh, to support our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and in fact, may even see them begin to to provide us with, uh, you know, the decision trees, uh, as I think it was Kevin suggested a couple of minutes ago. Um, and frankly, that ought to terrify all of us because you're right, Kevin, that 20-year-old kid that doesn't have a clue what they're doing has got an awful lot of power. <laughs> but it was a 22-year-old, Jack. I'm only teasing. It could be those two oh. years could be that delta of common sense. We could only hope. Let's just leave it there. I, I well, do agree I, I've with been you. teaching college students for a long time, Bonnie, and that diff <laughs> the difference between 20 and 22 is not that big. I, I know. I know. I was thinking the realities hit them when they have to leave the cocoon of higher education of those ivy hallowed halls or wherever they're learning today and have to go out into the real world and then it hits them. We all know that. Thank you very much. Rasheen Kansal, I'm looking at your prediction number two. This is interesting. You say, while humans' economic existence will become more digital, and we're seeing that now, our emotional and biological needs will continue to be satisfied through our families and our communities. We will also see a continued emergence of businesses focused on, and this is what I want to talk about, mental health, kindness, focused on serving our emotional needs. So where does AI come into these businesses? Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting to hear, you know, Kevin talk about AI boss, Frank talk about ethics of machines, and then Jack talking about having uh, conversations with robots and robots defending our lives. I mean, the underlying assumption in all of this is that at a certain point in time, 
machines are doing all the work that we do as humans. And uh, I talked about us having a lot more time. It also means that, you know, now we have this whole human race, which is kind of managed by machines. And what will this uh, machine have to do to manage the human race so that it doesn't kill itself? It will have to teach the human race to be kind. It will have to teach the human race to really live in harmony. It will have to teach the human race to live in communities all over again. And then that's where I was thinking, you know, if AI and machines really become the, you know, they, they supersede the human existence and human control, then we will see machines building new businesses or humans building new businesses that focus on, you know, teaching us how to be more human uh, or how to be human. And, and um, you know, that will be an interesting uh, interesting way to look at things and, and even plan for new businesses right now. Thank you very much. Interesting, Mr. Benedict. Kevin, I think I want to combine prediction two and three. I think they're related in the interest of time. Let's see if we can, if you don't mind tackling both. Number two, you said AI will ultimately be too important to leave unregulated in a right-to-be-forgotten regulatory environment. In those environments like GDPR in Europe, AI needs to be trained to obey all privacy laws and forget what it knows. And then you say, number three, many emergency I'm sorry, many emerging technologies will ultimately become critical infrastructure, which will require more societal and government oversight. They will be too important to be regulated only by profit motive. I think those go nicely together. Kevin Benedict, please tell us more. Absolutely. I mean, it's all about being purposeful with what you're developing and where you want to go as a society. Do you want to uh, just enable VC-funded companies that are driven by profit motive to steer the direction of civilization in a direction that makes them more profitable, uh, more profitable as an organization? Or do we, in fact, as a society say, there is so much good that can be done with AI here, and it doesn't all make money for investors? Some of this is just going to be good for us. It's going to find us a cure for COVID-19 faster. It's going to help us get to vaccines faster. And you know what? That shouldn't only be with a profit motive. The whole health of our civilization is depending on accomplishing something here. So it's really to that fact. Do we want to be purposeful with AI does And if we do, do we have to just sit back and wait for it to have the right profit motives for somebody to invest and take us that direction? Or do we as a society see enough value in there where we're saying, boy, we could accomplish incredible things if we put our mind to going in this direction? There might not be immediate profits in this, but an AI system dedicated to this big problem and big societal challenge can help us solve that much quicker. And it really gets to that. Do we want to be purposeful? Yes or no. Thank you very much. A lot of decisions here. Frank, Diana, we've got time for a few more. I'm looking at number three. You say emotional AI will progress rapidly in the next several years. It will combine with mixed reality to increase human empathy and compassion. Really? Tell me more. How optimistic are you about this? Frank? I'm optimistic in that the differences in how we can appreciate society and different cultures and experience things around the world has never been more acute. I mean, uh, in our day, my day, I'll just stick with myself, my day, you weren't exposed to the various cultures of the world because there were very little ways for us other than travel to get that exposure. Today, uh, we can see this in millennial and Gen Z generations and how they think about some of this stuff differently. Um, you, you can experience hunger in Africa uh, as if you were really there. And when, and when virtual reality takes us there uh, as if we were experiencing it for ourselves, uh, how can empathy and compassion not elevate as a result? So when you combine some of these capabilities like artificial intelligence and, and, and a mixed reality world of, of augmented and virtual realities, I do think it exposes us to things that we've never been exposed to before. And in so doing, I, I do see a path towards more compassion and empathy in society. 
Oh, I hope you're right. I'm dreaming. Jack Shannon, I'm looking at prediction number four. You say A-E, that's a new one. We have more alphabet soup today, everybody. We can't wait for a certain soup company to put that on the title of their next can, right, Jack? And you say A-E will be increasingly integral to AI development. Empathy, we're talking about that with Frank just now, is an essential human trait and connected to feelings and emotions. The ability of AI to understand and act with kindness is directly 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 related to its ability to understand and act with empathy. How close are we to AE? Does it exist, Jack Shannon? I can't say that it exists yet, uh, Bonnie, but, you know, again, back to that 20 or 22-year-old coder. What you're seeing is the the most prominent, influential uh, AI academic programs and independent uh, programs, you know, MIT, Stanford, uh, those folks. Uh, they're increasingly integrating uh, not just the engineering, uh, but the the ethics, the human-centered uh, approach. In other words, trying to <clears throat> excuse me when de- when designing an AI, uh, increasingly making that design basis a, a human-centered basis, uh, bring empathy in because it is an essential human trait, and and frankly, you know that old computer adage garbage in garbage out mm-hmm. that if we if we don't take affirmative steps to meet make our engineers the folks that are designing uh, uh, these platforms uh, understand the the broader scope of the implications of what they're designing it'll be increasingly hard to to be uh, comfortable uh, working in those spaces so artificial empathy is essentially uh, finding ways to attribute empathy, empathy to an artificial intelligence. Thank you very much. Uh, we have time maybe to squeak in one more from Rasheen because we just did two for Kevin. So, Rasheen, I'm looking at number three, and you say we'll see a movement where people find it necessary to connect with themselves and their inner purpose as technology continues to advance and disrupt the historical way of life. Tell me a little bit more. i got about two minutes for you, and then we're going to go into our final lightning round. Rasheen, talk to me. Yeah, so one thing that is happening for sure is that, you know, the delivery, delivery of services that we used to go to, say, a hospital or a stadium or a bank or, you know, a grocery store uh, to, you know, uh, purchase or consume is now happening at our homes. And as that continues to happen, what we are losing is the randomness of human interaction, right? So when I went to a grocery store, I met, saw a few more people. When I went to a sports stadium, I met so many more people. Now that randomness is kind of gone. And so how do we really, you know, fill that void of human interaction caused by this loss of randomness? We will have to become a lot more mindful about how we meet with people, how we interact when we meet with people, how we tend to be kind. And, you know, this whole notion of empathy and uh, uh, kindness, I think we will have to become a lot more mindful, a lot more purposeful. Uh, Otherwise, we will tend to fall into our lizard brains of being negative, being uh, reactive. Uh, and then so it again goes back to where I started. We have the gift of time with technology. Uh, we can complicate technology as much as we want by trying to make technology empathetic or, you know, uh, non-biased. However, let's focus on, you know, the gift of time and figure out how we can use that gift of time to really drive more empathy, more kindness in our society. Thank you. I think we're all very optimistic on this call. Let's go around the table one last time. I can give you each about 45 seconds. I know you'll use 60 seconds, so Kevin Benedict, don't be mad at me. You might get 23 seconds. Blame it on the other ones. What can I say? So let's go around. Final statement of predictions with uh, with regard to our topic today, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I have to do a closing announcement again, the call to action for our sponsor, Express VPN. So, Frank, uh, take 30 seconds and tell me what do you see coming up or down the pike in terms of niceness, kindness, respect, civility with AI and humans working together. Frank, Diana, go. I definitely see a lot of progress happening in terms of advancements in these capabilities in the next two, three, four years. The pace is just overwhelming. So I would think we're going to see a lot of stuff happening. With regard to the topic, though, uh, it's going to be mixed. I think we've got a hybrid scenario where you're going to see some not-so-good things emerge, um, but you will see those examples of, of things that are, are 
more optimistic and really along the lines of more respect and, and better human behavior. But, it, it, you know, it's a mix. Thank you very much. Let's go to Professor Jack Shannon. What do you see, good, bad, or ugly, coming up and down the pike between now and, let's say, 2021? I, I think it's going to be a mix of all of those things, Bonnie. I think Barbara Harrison said it. There's no way to take the danger out of human relationships. And what we're doing now is in, injecting into those human relationships uh, artificial entities that are created by humans. Uh, and as we've discussed, if we're not focused on making sure that we uh, we incorporate kindness and empathy into those things. I think Frank's right. I think it's going to be a very bumpy ride. Yep. I think it already is, and it's going to continue. Get your get your snow tires on. I'm sorry. I'm getting the big wheels. Uh, Mr. Rasheen Kansal, go ahead. You've got uh, about 45 seconds. What's your prediction, your final prediction? Uh, I agree with, uh, you know, Frank and Jack that it's going to be mixed. Uh, my view here, though, is because it's going to be mixed, there is absolutely a need for some positive voices to mm-hmm. rise and, uh, you know, uh, be there to really negate the negativity that we have around us. So it's really up to all of us to take charge, be positive and drive that positive change. And I uh, would predict that we will see a lot more positive voices rising as well like uh, you know, in the near future. Thank you. And Kevin Benedict, they were so concise, Kevin, that you get the full 60 seconds. No apologies needed. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. This week, I interviewed a gentleman from an organization called We and AI. And the whole idea of this organization is really to make AI transparent. So, and to call out and tell the stories on how important AI is to our life and why it's so important for us to start putting together some principles about the use of AI. You know, I also see these organizations that are backing transparent AI. Again, it's the ability to, when you get rejected for a car loan or a home loan, why did you get rejected? What were the, what are the decision trees? What's the data that went into there that led the AI system to making that call? Because as AI becomes increasingly critical to our society um, and starts running so many of the critical systems, we really have to be able to have uh, transparency into why it does what it does. And I'm seeing increased movement and increased interest in there, so I'm optimistic. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And I all of a sudden remembered the three-part construct, Freud's model of the psyche, the id, the ego, and the superego. And I think we all remember the superego operates as a moral conscience. Wouldn't it be interesting if I was sitting down to write an email to someone and the superego did not take over and I was saying something mean. You so-and-so, look what you did to me and blah, blah, blah. And the superego in the form of an AI or a bot looking over my shoulder or as I was typing or even thinking, now we're getting scary, kids, would say, Bonnie, take your hand off the keyboard, stop and think, save it in a folder, do not execute it, do not send it, let's talk about it. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to keep people from being mean at the point of almost sending it out? Everybody say yes, please. One, two, three. Yes! Thank you very yeah. much. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Now, I have to say thank you to our sponsor. <laughs> thank you to our sponsor, Protect Your Online Activity. Today, with the VPN we trust to secure our privacy, visit my special link, expressvpn.com slash techrev. Get three extra months free on a one-year package, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V. PN.com slash T-E-C-H-R-E-V, expressvpn.com slash TechRev to learn more. I want to thank our panelists, Frank Diana at TCS. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Professor Jack Shannon. Thanks for letting me call you, Jack, and I respect what you do dealing with kids. Believe me, I really do. Rusheen Kunsal, come back anytime. It was a pleasure. And Ken, Kevin Benedict, you really rocked it. I think you're wearing a bow tie in your, in your picture there. I want to thank my engineer, Aaron Keller, engineer extraordinaire at Voice America World Talk Radio, the business channel, and my co-producer, Ryan Treasure. I hope you feel better. Thanks for tuning in to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Remember, the future of now didn't happen yet. If somebody says the future is already here, that was yesterday's future. We are all part of making today's future happen, so let's do it right this time. Be safe, be smart, be well. Talk again soon. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.